Hey everybody and welcome to the CI4L show, Central Idaho for Liberty show with Tatiana Gray. I'm flying solo today. Jeff will be with us in a few episodes. And uh, today I'm going to talk to you about my personal experience with socialism. But before I jump into that topic, let me tell you how you can find um, everything else about CI4L. We have a website. You can find us there at CI4L.org. Uh, so check it out. We also have a Facebook page at CI4 Liberty. Check that out as well. And uh, if you go to our website, CI4L.org, you can see our links to uh, YouTube, Parlor, SoundCloud, which is our podcast where we um, take just the sound and put it out there so you can listen in your car. Um, and you can also email us, CI4Liberty at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Uh, help us know what, what topics you want us to cover. That would be very helpful. And we're going to try something new um, with this recording, trying to broadcast it as a podcast on more platforms. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully we'll be on um, Apple Podcasts pretty soon and Spotify. So working on that. And to help us, you guys can, can help us. We're a grassroots uh, organization. There are just uh, a few of us members here, so we can certainly appreciate your donations. Um, it doesn't matter if it's as little as just a couple bucks. Um, everything helps. We would love to uh, be able to have more presence on the media channels. Uh, so you can definitely help us and bless us. If you go to our website, ci4l.org, you will see a link to donate. And again, um, even small donations help. So thank you so much for considering that. And now let's jump in. This is going to be actually a two-part uh, two um, mini-series about socialism, about my personal experience with it. But the first one today, I am going to actually read to you from a blog that I wrote a while ago on my personal page, uh, way before Central Idaho for Liberty or anything like that. So I will just, just read it to you, what I wrote back then. And, um, and then next episode, um, I will uh, share more and probably be more like, like this and kind of like uh, free format, not reading. So let me share my screen so I can be reading from the article for you. And I hope this works. There you go. Share my screen. Share. Share. Okay. I think this works. So here is the article. I called it, I am a child of socialism. Um, and uh, without further ado, I will just start reading from it. Over the past few years, I've been watching with horror as the United States is embracing socialism. I'm a child of socialism. I grew up in the Soviet Union in the 1980s and 90s. As long as I can remember, I desperately wanted to leave the USSR because of the socialism atrocities that I've experienced. In 1998, I was finally able to move to the US to attend a university, and in 2008, I became a US citizen. I realize that what I'm about to share with you can be easily shrugged off as anecdotal evidence of just one person. I promise you that my experience was not unique. And if the people of the United States continue to support socialism, our children and grandchildren will get to experience these atrocities of socialism in their lifetimes. Number one, a little bit about vaccines. Um, a preface. 
Choice is a hallmark of a free society. The lack of choice is a hallmark of socialism. Lack of choice. As an adult living in the United States, I have chosen to receive vaccine boosters and I've chosen at times to deny being vaccinated. For example, I have not gotten a flu shot in recent years. So far, we as a family have chosen to vaccinate our children in accordance with our state's immunization program. I am not an anti-vaxxer by any means, but I absolutely oppose indiscriminate and mass vaccination of children at school, as I got to experience when I was a child in the Socialist Soviet Union. It will usually be an ordinary school day. Then, all of a sudden, a bunch of government doctors, there were no private doctors under the Socialist Free Healthcare for All scheme, these government doctors would show up at our schools. We, the kids, would have to form lines in our classroom to be given the vaccine injections. Nobody was given a choice. I don't believe our parents were asked for their consent. I don't believe our parents were even given notice of the upcoming mass vaccinations. And I certainly don't believe our parents had a right or an opportunity to opt out. There is no choice under socialism. And that's what grassroots means. Kids come in, in the middle. Um, point number two, medical and physical exams. Along the same lines as vaccinations, but much more disturbing were the forced medical and physical exams in the socialist Soviet Union. A bus showed up at my school when I was somewhere around 12 or 13 years old. Our entire class, boys and girls, were loaded on the bus and taken to a government clinic. Of course, there were no private clinics under the free healthcare for all plan. Again, I doubt that any notice of or choice was given to our parents. No choice was given to us, the kids. We had to load on the bus. Inside the clinic, we were all crowded in the hallways, dozens of us. I believe the boys had to go into one room and the girls had to go into another room for the actual physical examination. But in general, those in the hallways could hear some of the painful yelping from those two rooms where the examinations were being performed. I don't know exactly what they did to the boys. To the girls, a mean-looking lady who had zero compassion gave an anal exam. It was painful and many girls cried out in pain. It was humiliating walking out of that office into the hallway to face your entire class. The ride back to school from this clinic was truly a ride of shame. There is no dignity under socialism. Number three, child labor camps. What could go better with the joys of childhood than some labor camps? Yes, child labor camps were real in the socialist Soviet Union. After all, the socialists love to take from each according to his ability, and children are certainly able to contribute labor to society. My, my memory is a bit fuzzy as to how I was able to avoid the child labor camps for all but one summer. In the summer that I did go to a child labor camp, my parents were able to pull me out after just one week instead of a typical one month. I even think we, the kids, were paid a pittance for our labor, so I guess it didn't look like complete slavery. We were fed and even entertained a bit at the camp, the old bread and circuses trick, as you know. But every morning we were loaded on buses and taken to various fields on the government's collective farms to do labor. I had the honor of harvesting by hand, no less, beets and potatoes. The fields 
fields were previously tilled. So we, the kids, would pick the beets and potatoes out of the ground and stuff them in burlap bags. It was dirty, boring, bag-breaking work. Children are exploited under socialism. Number four, raids on the unemployed. Of course, the Soviet kids, kids were not the only laborers exploited by the socialist government. Remember the socialist slogan I mentioned earlier, from each according to his ability? The socialists take that phrase from each very seriously and very literally. Every single person who is able-bodied was expected to work. No stay-at-home moms. As a result, there were virtually no stay-at-home mothers in the Soviet Union. Women's value to the socialist state is a human resource, a worker, a unit of production. Motherhood, or being the source of human life, is essentially of no value in the socialist regime. True, the mothers in the socialist Soviet Union would get a long paid maternity leave, but after that, the government would take over the raising of the Soviet children though through its system of free government-run nurseries, kindergartens, and schools. From the age of about six months, the Soviet children would basically see their parents only at night, on weekends, and during holidays. These child-raising programs were instituted so that both parents could work full-time. With these programs in place, mothers had no excuse to stay home with the, their kids, except for medical reasons. In fact, one time I was sick, and my mother took me to see a doctor. The doctor diagnosed me with RSV and gave my mother a prescription for some medicine. I was around six or seven years old at the time, old enough to leave at home alone for a short period of time so my mother could run over to a pharmacy to get medicine for me. While my mother was at the pharmacy, and this was during a workday, a bunch of government agents walked in and blocked all the entrances and exits. They rounded up all the able-bodied adults at the pharmacy questioning them as to why they were absent from work. My mother was fortunate enough to be able to produce the prescription given by the doctor for me in another document, Balnichny, commonly given to the parents to take to kids' school to excuse absence. The government agents let my mother go, but who knows what happened to the people who could not produce a legitimate reason for not being at work. Every single person is forced to work under socialism. Number five, lines for food and services. I bet of all of the atrocities of socialism, you've heard the most about the long lines to get food or to receive services. I can promise you the lines were no fun. Lines for food. During my childhood, food was often rationed via a system of vouchers, like sugar, or through shortages. Often meat was hard to come by. I remember having to stand in lines for food for hours. Whenever a grocery store would get valuable food, the news would spread around the neighborhood and people would make a run to buy the food. Since able-bodied adults were at work, it would usually be grandmas who would stand in lines for hours to get food. There also would be a limit of how much food any single person in line could buy. For example, one kilogram of sausage per person. Grandmas would grab their grandchildren to stand in line so they could get the extra ration of food. To prevent people from getting more than one ration, a grocery store worker would write numbers in everybody's arms, especially children's, so grandmas would not let other grandmas get extra rations by presenting somebody else's grandchildren as their own. Once your number was called and you bought your ration of food, you could not get any more until another shipment of food arrived at the grocery store, and who knows when. Lines for healthcare. Lines were also a fact of life with a socialist free healthcare for all. 
each child and probably all of the adults as well was assigned to a specific doctor based on where you live. If you got sick, you did not have an option of making an appointment. Your mom had to drag, drag your sick self to the clinic in the morning to wait in line for hours to see your doctor. Somehow, I don't remember a single instance when we just showed up at the clinic and walked right in. I also was a relatively healthy kid and never had to go see a specialist doctor, but I've heard plenty of sob stories where friends and relatives could not get referrals to see specialists or the wait lists were months upon months long. The socialist government thrived on rationing and shortages in medical care. After all, people who are spending their days just fighting for their survival and basic human needs are less likely to rise up against their evil government. Learn from history. It scares me to see and hear so many Americans today flirting with the idea of bringing socialism to this country. If, you, if you're reading this, you're most likely a mother. For the sake of your children and your children's children, I implore you to never let this evil ideology of socialism take root on the American soil. What I have lived through and remember are somewhat minor atrocities of living in a socialist country. I thankfully have no firsthand acquaintance with the firing squads, adult labor camps, gulag, and many other socialist horrors. If socialism comes to the United States, it might not look exactly like what I described at first. It might even be called something else, like democratic socialism, as if adding democratic would make an evil thing better somehow. Democratic slavery is still slavery and is still evil. I hope you do not fall into the promise of the free stuff. It's a trap like a mouse falls for the free cheese in its mouse trap. And I hope you see the promises of illusory equality for what they really are, or everybody being equally poor and equally miserable. If you have lived through the atrocities of socialism, leave a comment. I'd love to compare our stories. Or if you have questions, send us an email. That's it, guys. Thank you for listening through this. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I wrote it. And I will have more on our next episode. So make sure you subscribe to um, our YouTube channel or to our podcast, wherever you're watching or listening to this so you don't miss future episodes. Thank you again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Bye.